This is episode 168 of IDRA Class Notes. So from my perspective as a leader, why do we open the doors in the morning? What is our vision? What is our mission? And then having a laser-like focus on instruction because school is very simple to me. It's about educating, educating. The other things that happen in schools are superficial, but everything that happens in school should be a laser-like focus on student achievement and student outcomes. Good morning. morning. Welcome to IDRA's Class Notes. I am Dr. Nilka Aviles, IDRA Senior Associate and Director of the Star Leaders Project. With me this morning is Mr. Greg Rivers, Principal of Ball Academy. And today we're going to have a conversation about why are leaders so important to turn around schools. Mr. Rivers, uh, for background purposes, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I've uh, been in education for around 21 years. I am a native San Antonian. I graduated from St. Mary's University with a bachelor's in elementary. Later, I went on to get a master's in elementary curriculum and education, and of course, my mid-management degree at Incarnate Word University. I started teaching fifth grade. I taught fourth grade. I taught sixth grade. I was a dyslexia teacher, science teacher. I did a lot of different uh, teaching assignments. And then I became a curriculum instructional coach for about six or seven years. I think that helped me tremendously in the, uh, in the role as a principal, as a learning leader. And then uh, about five years ago, I got an opportunity to be the assistant principal at Lanier High School. I stayed there for three years, helped the campus quite a bit, made a lot of positive growth. And then I got an opportunity last year to be the principal at Connell Middle School. It was a four-year IR campus. It had many issues. We solved some of those issues, but we still were going to need another year to sort of get the instruction corrected. But it was decided to combine Ball with Connell and to form a new campus, which we're here now at Ball Academy. So that's sort of a brief history of my professional career. And Ball Academy now is? Um... We are pre-K to six, and then next year we'll add seven, and then the following year we will add eight grades. So we'll be a pre-K to eight academy. Hopefully we will be, it'll be our first year of dual language next year. And also we have a, we're a PBL, project-based learning site as well. So, Mr. Rivers, we know that there's evidence that has been collected over the last 30 years in research that suggests that principals are significantly influencing student learning and the achievement of schools in terms of their performance. So it is through this age of reform and rapid changes to improve students, it is important that we look at the competencies that are so crucial to improve academic achievement for all students. So can you tell me, in terms of driving for results, which really assist in having that strong desire of achieving successful outcomes, what do you think are some of the, the competencies that strong leaders need to have? Well, one is I think that I tend to, to put a lot of thought in 
is about uh, placing uh, the staff and members in the right place. Uh, it starts with me. It starts with uh, hiring the people, the right uh, employees to put them in the right places so that they're successful. So talent management is is crucial to me. You know, it was told to me by one of my mentors that the most important thing that a principal does is he hires good people in order to influence a change for students in a positive way. So I take that to heart and I take that very serious. Also, it, once you have people in place, you need to be able to evaluate what's going on and you might need to make some minor tweaks just to make sure that your school is, is functioning in the right way. So talent management is important to me. And then uh, having a structure where all stakeholders involved have a voice, they have a say in how the, the school runs, their voices matter. For example, listening, I, I listen a lot to my parents, uh, being this is my first year being here. What are they telling me? We do surveys uh, to see what they need and what they think their child needs to be successful. And then making sure there's these the structures are operating, you know, at a peak performance. If they're not, then we take a look at the structure, we bring all the stakeholders in and we'll change it if, if needed. So from my perspective as a leader, those are some of the major roles that I play as far as uh, moving the school forward, making sure that the structure's in place, making sure you have the right people in place, and then having a vision. Why do we open the doors in the morning? What, what is our vision? What is our mission? And then having a laser-like focus on instruction, because school is very simple to me. It's about educate, educate. The other things that happen in schools are superficial, but everything that happens in a school should be a laser-like focus on student achievement and student outcomes. And so if that's the mission, then everything that we do, everything that we put in place is focused on that. And then trying to see, now, now that we have all these things in place, my key role is to make sure that we're getting the results we need. Great. And you mentioned right now about connecting with, with students and family, how important that is. And what partnerships do you have or how do you how do you address that? Well, one of the things that I've, I'm doing what we call the normal, at this time, normal principal coffees. Uh, we did a open house. But I was in a session with Dr. Karen Knapp, whose work is acclaimed for working with the school parent engagement. And one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to shift to more of an instructional piece with parents. How can they help support their child and support us in instruction? For example, we are planning a, a sort of a, a series of meetings with each grade level to focus, to teach parents what SMART goals are and also to help them understand how they can help their child at home by giving them some activities that they can do, working with them. If the parent says, you know, I have two jobs and I can't do this, well, then we can work on a schedule. Maybe you can just only do it on Saturday for 10 minutes and we will adjust the SMART goal accordingly. So really working, working with parents and letting them know that 
our intention is to really help support them and make sure that their child is achieving in school. Because I think when you drop off your child, I think all parents are thinking that their student or their child is getting the best education possible. So we want to open that that avenue up for them, let them know that we think that they're a partner. One of the most interesting things that happened in, in that Dr. Knapp told us is there was a school in Washington who put everything in place. Like, I feel like I have all of the things in place for us to turn the school around. But this school discovered that the one missing piece they didn't have was parent engagement. And that startled me when she said that because I started to to reflect on what I've done so far in this 11th week of school. How have I engaged parents in the learning, not simply having them come to a carnival and what have you, but in their child's mm-hmm. learning? So that's why we are in December training our teachers, and then in January we'll begin our sessions of our three-week meetings because we want to engage them in the learning as much as they can provide for us. Great. Measuring, reporting, and sustaining success is so important in schools today because everything is about looking at the data and then what are we going to do with it? How, how do we use the data to inform the decision that we made to improve student achievement? Can you tell me a little bit about how you work with your teachers in reference to, to this you know, measuring and reporting on student success based upon data? We have three big rocks that we call them in our uh, Champion Schools of Success, which is part of UVA. And one of our main rocks, which we call our professional learning communities. Mm -hmm. And in our PLCs, they last about 90 minutes. And we talk about data, but we really dive deep into the data. So we have a system of looking at our lesson plans, a system of looking at our assessments, a system of focusing in on what students need. But what I felt was missing from my, when when I did their school readiness assessment was, there wasn't a deep look at the data. So we have spent a lot of time this past nine weeks training teachers on really looking at the data. But you know, data can be daunting. So you have to shrink it down to small chunks, just like we tell teachers to teach in chunks, we also look at our data in the chunks. We look at item analysis, we look at how many students are succeeding in your classroom. So we really break it down, and when we when we do that kind of work, teachers feel more comfortable with the data because we're just not giving them a, hey, 45% of your students did this. That's a big number, but that's just a superficial number. So we want to dig deep within that number to see what are some of the root causes of this and then how can we you know, adjust and improve on that. So we do what we call deep data digs. It's from the work of Robert Santoyo from Learning Leadership. And we, we really dive deep into what the child needs, how are we going to get that to happen, and then we put a plan together. So it's not only just looking at superficial data, we dive deep into it, and we're training our teachers in that process mm-hmm. at, uh, at this time. And I'm sure that one of the challenges, specifically for San Antonio area schools, as well as other areas throughout the nation, is actually English language learners. Mm-hmm. How do you address with your teachers this specific population? Well, when I got here, I really looked at them, and I noticed, noticed that those students were in the lower levels 
achieving great success. So, and when I noticed that in the upper levels, there was a gap that was growing. So one thing that I know as a district, we have not transferred both languages successfully to those students. And it could be where, you know, they were having their native language spoken to them 90% of the time in fourth grade, and all of a sudden they have to transfer to English and they weren't ready. So, so there's a structural piece, a systematic piece that I had to focus on when I got here. And so we, we had several meetings, several conversations with teachers about their structure of how they're teaching students, uh, making sure that the student is at a very high cognitive level at their native language so that we can transfer that to the language that we're trying to teach them, which is English. So we know that there's a systematic issue there that needs to be addressed. So that was the first thing. Second thing is to, I brought in a couple of people to look at those uh, bilingual classrooms to see if that was happening. If we are, you know, teaching at the rigor in Spanish and then uh, so that the students, when it's time for them to transfer, they'll have the calp, they'll have the cognitive ability in, to talk and work in both languages because we're not trying to take away that we want them to be truly bilingual students. So that process right now is still in the works. I know our district is going to a, a dual language model and they also have a model where they're, they're asking the percentage of, of English to be increased slightly as the student goes by grade level. For instance, it might be 1090 in, um, in kinder, pre-K. But then as you go to uh, second grade, it might be 80-20, 80, 20, 80 mm -hmm. in the native language, 20 in English. So that model is starting to shift. So I think we'll see results. But what do we do now? What do we do now with these students? And so when I look at the data at Ball, we are 13% away from closing the gap. So there has been some really good instruction with our bilingual department here. I have some very strong bilingual teachers. So I think that we can close that gap by providing the students with more support. Uh, but we also have a lot of professional learning to do with some of our teachers who need a little bit more support in making that transition to both languages. That's good. Another competency that um, effective turnaround leaders have is influencing others, focusing on working through all the daily routines as well as motivating them to think outside of the box and to you know do what needs to be done. How do you help in this area? Uh, one of the things that I really thought about and books that I've read was to try to try to uh, just shrink the change that we want to not not have a lot of activities or programs, but to be very thoughtful about what we want teachers to do. But anytime you uh, bring in something new in education, you have to. I go from the understanding that this is new, so there needs to be professional learning involved. There needs to be a very structured way that you want to see certain things, and you need to have what I call checkpoints. If I'm uh, introducing something new to you, I just simply send it in an email and say, you need to do X and Y because this is what students need. Well, I need to pull back and train you on X and Y and then say, hey, just do X. We will be there to see you do X and we'll provide you some feedback. So the coaching component 
is very important on this campus. Uh, I've recruited a lot of coaches here, and so it's to provide that support because I think that's the missing piece. I remember as a teacher being told to do all of these things, and first of all, I didn't know what some of them were, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was never given the support that I needed to learn them. So I don't approach new ideas or any changes that we make with just telling people I actually show, we engage, we bring out professionals. If we have to hire somebody from outside, we'll bring those in, people in to give them the support. And then we want to see it happen. Because if we've invested in it, we think it's important, then we're going to expect it and inspect it to make sure that it is functioning. That's great because that is actually how you influence yes. their thinking. Right. And then you can change those behaviors right. that Be go along with that. Because it's a joint effort. We're all in it together and, and, and we're here to, to help them in, in their work. Great. Another great competency is uh, organizing all stakeholders for collaborative action. Focusing, of course, on, on, on the learning results. And this involves, you know, strategic planning. Now, uh, you mentioned that the first, the first thing is actually to have uh, an established shared vision. How do, we, how do you go about establishing it, and how do you go about articulating it so that all stakeholders actually are together collaborating in this effort? Well, one of the things that I like to do is uh, we posted our vision, and every time that we meet at PLC, we talk about our vision. When I got here, the vision statement that they had, the mission statement they had was like over 50 words. So I'm like, okay. We need to shrink this. We, we need to see how we can make this something that we all can remember. And, and it's the essence of what we do here at Ball Academy. So knowing that, I, I share with them the uh, uh, Champion School Success Mission. I said, from here, since we are a champion school, let's see some things in here that we can use for our statement. And so from there, I had uh, the entire staff work on the, the mission statement. And we came up with a mission statement that we, we have. And then what we do, as you can see, we post it as Champion School of SISD. We, Ball Academy, we ensure collaboration to foster a positive culture of high expectations through quality instruction. And so we have it everywhere. And so I did what I call a uh, the state of the school address at the very beginning. And then I had my, I did a quarter since we're, uh, since we're passing nine weeks, I did the state of the school as the first quarter is over. And what one of the activities I had them to do, I asked them a very simple question. How have you implemented the mission statement in your daily work? Mm -hmm. And they had to, they had a quick write for about two minutes. And then they had to share how they have implemented this. And so I will continue to ask them. The parents, that is where the work is coming. That is where there is more work that's needed to happen. But I think every time I have parents, we talk about our mission and we talk about what we're trying to do for their students. So I think the uh, feeling of the parents is they feel that this is a school that now welcomes them mm -hmm. and, and we want their input. So I, I sense that change is, is happening already. That's great because parents are so crucial for the success very of, of, the, of the schools. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast 
at idra.org.